By the way, I want to share an update with you. Miss Lois uh, made it back to Canada. She got home late, 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 late last night. And I talked to her today. She's doing well, very weary. Of course, she's been living on Eastern time, so her uh, time schedule's a little wonky, and she's very weary, but she's doing very well. Thanks for praying for her, and she's excited to be with us on Sunday. Uh, by the way, just a quick word, uh, if anyone would be interested, whether you're here tonight or watching our live stream, if you're interested in coming uh, to the graveside service for Peggy uh, this Friday, uh, the family uh, let the uh, funeral home know that they welcomed anyone that would like to come. Uh, their words were, the more the merrier. And uh, so anyone that would be interested in going and being a part of uh, the service that day, you're more than welcome to attend. And the information, the obituary with all the information is posted on our church Facebook page. And if you can't access that, if you'll message me, I can forward the information to you. Uh, but even if you're not able to go, if you would be praying uh, there for her family. Open to Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians, actually Colossians chapter 3, I guess, Colossians chapter 3. A couple of weeks ago, we started looking at this chapter, and as we talked about two weeks ago, it is a chapter on holy living, and well, I'll tell you now more than ever, uh, we need that truth uh, as the world becomes more wicked and farther and farther from God. The danger is that as Christians, we want to keep the same distance from the world that we have always kept. And as the world moves, we want to move and to say, well, I'm, I'm this far from the world. And as the world gets farther from God, we get a bit farther if we're not careful. And we justify the fact that I'm not as bad as the world. I'm not as far as the world. But God doesn't want us just to be different from the world. God wants us to be separated from the world so we can be separated to Him. Uh, for instance, before we look at the text here, if uh, when Brother Gerald got married, how many years ago did you get married, Brother Gerald? Quite a few. In other words, I'm going to get him in trouble if I make him give me a number. How many years is it? Almost 30, are you going to make it to 37? Is he going to live that long? Are you going to kill him before then? You're not sure. So almost 37 years ago when uh, Brother Gerald and Miss Carol got married. Now, they were 10, year, 10 years old, I believe. He was, he was 12, she was 10. But when they got married, he probably made some kind of vow and probably said something along the lines of he was going to uh, keep himself only unto her so long as they both shall live. And he promised that. Now, in the wedding vows, he promised to keep himself to his wife. Now, in that, in that promise is he would keep himself from all other uh, ladies that aren't his wife. Uh, now, if 30, almost 37 years ago, when he said, I do, and she said, you better, uh, and they exchanged rings, and uh, they kissed, and uh, ate cake. Did you guys have cake? Did you smear it on each other's face? Yeah, we didn't either. Uh, my wife would have punched me right in the mouth if I'd have done that. But after they got married, if Brother Gerald had said to Carol, well, see you later. And he left, never came back, never lived with her, never spent time with her for 30, almost 37 years. He, he, and he's, he's there by himself living in a hovel somewhere. Uh, and he said, well, I'm keeping my marriage vows. 
I, I haven't been with any other woman in 37 years. But he ha- wouldn't have been with his wife either. Now, that, that's not, we understand that would be ridiculous. We understand the, the humor and the, uh, of that, but Christians, so often we fail to see the reality of the Christian life and the holiness God wants. God wants us to be separated from the world, not just to be separate from the world. God wants us to be separated to him. And I want you to look here. We're going to read over this passage, and I want to share some, catch you up a little bit, and i got some more truths I want to share with you tonight. But verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, by the way, that word mortify means make dead. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is re- renewed in the kingdom, in the knowledge, excuse me, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives... Submit yourself to your own husbands as it's fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that in the Lord ye shall receive reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Look at verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to open this book, to read your word, to study, to grow, to be challenged. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would do those things for us by your spirit. Would you lead us and guide us in all truth? God, would you help me, Lord, to preach and write your truth this evening? Lord, would you give us minds ready to receive truth? Would you give us hearts that are prepared? 
Lord, to receive the seed of the word. And Lord, I pray that we be yielded to you. God, help us, Lord, to be separated from the world, separated unto you. Lord, we need your help. Bless us now in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We shared this two weeks ago with you, but as we look at this passage, the argument, and if you'll let me use that phraseology, the argument that is brought forward in chapter 3 of Colossians uh, that God gave the Apostle Paul to pen to the church at Colossae and for us tonight is that because of our union, because we are connected with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and in his exaltation. Because we are connected in every aspect of that with our Savior, our life, your life, my life, must be different. The first two chapters of Colossians that we've looked through over the last couple of months uh, have dealt with doctrine. And by the way, praise God for doctrine. Praise God we don't just make it up on the fly and believe whatever we want to believe. And, and I know that many do that today. I know that many uh, throw doctrine aside. Well, doctrine doesn't really matter. No, doctrine matters a great deal uh, because God's word is vital. Every word, I have to have every word, every jot, every tittle, and every doctrine of God, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's immovable uh, it's immutable. Uh, it is very vital. We need that doctrine, that building blocks of doctrine. But we, we transition and shift gears a little bit from chapter three to chapter two to chapter three. From doctrine, we move in in chapter three to some practical uh, teaching, some practical application, uh, putting some hands on, if you will. In this matter of the Christian life and Christian living, our belief must behave. Our creed uh, must be translated into conduct. If Brother Mike stood up and said, Pastor, the building's on fire, and he stood, sat, stood right there, he didn't leave. He didn't try to get everybody else to leave. He just said, Pastor, the building's on fire. Now, I'm not going to believe him because you know why? He doesn't believe him. He doesn't believe himself. Now, if he jumps up and says the building's on fire and he starts running out of the building, there's a chance Pastor Rice might actually win a foot race for once in his whole life. I, I, might, I might chase Brother Mike out. Brother Maude watched me chase a chicken this week. I invented a new sport. I decided to call it chicken kicking. And uh, we're going to try to get in the Olympics next year. Uh, but I, I'd waddle my way after him if I saw him running and saying that cause I, he believes it. If he follows through with it, he really believes it. Well, Christian, the question is tonight, do we really believe what we say we believe? Does our belief move us to action? We are, as the Bible tells us here in our text, in Christ if I'm in Christ, that's my standing. That affects everything. That affects everything in my life. Our doctrine is vitally important. But we must, as the Bible tells us in the book of Titus, we are to adorn the doctrine. We are to adorn the doctrine. 
And we do that by walking, by following. Uh, we see that in Titus chapter 2, verse 10. We won't turn there. We looked there a couple of weeks ago. And because of all that, by virtue of our union with, with Christ, uh, our whole life must be different. I'm going to give you a couple of points here, and we're going to catch up to where we, where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Point number one I gave you two weeks ago. What are we? What are you by virtue of your union? What am I by my virtue of my union with Christ? What, what does that make me? The expression in with Christ we see in verses 3 and 4. With Christ in God. Uh, they should appear with him in glory. It gives us the answer. Number one, it speaks, this matter of being with Christ speaks of our position. Of our position. Those of you that are sitting over here, you're on the north side of the building. Your position is on the north side. Brother Jim, you're the farthest north. You're leaning against the wall. Eh, Josh, you and Josh are both about the same uh, to the north. Uh, you're as far to the north as you can go in this building. And then Syke, you're probably the farthest south you can go over there. Uh, Isaac, you're, you're way out west. You're so far away. Uh, we, we're all in different positions in the building. But our position in Christ or with Christ, it says we are risen with Christ in verse 1. It says we're dead with Christ in verse 3. And if we look back in Colossians 2 and verse 12, it says buried with him. So I'm buried with Christ uh, in baptism. And wherein you're also risen with him through faith. In God's reckoning, now get this, as God sees it, not as I see it, not as I understand it, not as I feel or as I think, but as God sees it. As God sees you, Christian, God sees you in Christ positionally. And we see that uh, we have been crucified with Christ. We've been raised with him. That's our position. Number two, with Christ or in Christ, uh, it speaks of our protection. Our protection with or in Christ. In verse 3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Think of that protection as we are hid with Christ. My dad used to play a game with me when I was a boy. I don't think I have a coin, but he'd place a coin in his hand. And he'd have me place my hand under his hand. And the game was, uh, both of our hands were open, and I would try to reach up and get the coin out of the hand before he would close it. And I remember as a kid, I tried and tried and tried, and I started, I started to do the trick. I'm not going to show you the trick yet. Uh, I tried and tried to do it. How many of you know the trick? There, there is a trick. You, you know it because I taught you. That doesn't count. And, but the trick is, then my dad would give me the coin. And I, he'd get it out of my hand every time. I'm, I wasn't slow. Well, maybe I'm a little slow, Brother Mon. But there was a trick. The trick I learned later is you don't try to get the coin. You tap the hand. And as you hit the hand, the coin bounces up, and you grab, you grab it all in one motion. 
Uh, so now you can, you can pull that stunt with your children and amaze them. But I remember when I, my dad first started that game with me, and he had that coin, the penny in his hand, and he'd close it before I could get there, before I'd get it out. I remember he let me try to get the penny out of his hand. Now I was just a little kid. My dad is not a little anything. And my dad would wrap his size 15 fingers around that coin, and he'd let me try to pry his fingers off of that coin. And I think he would let me pry a finger, although I probably wasn't strong enough. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get it. And I, then I'd go to grab another finger, and that finger would go back. And no matter how hard I tried, I could not get that coin out of my dad's hands. You know why, Brother Jim? Because I wasn't as strong as him. He was stronger than me. So he could protect that coin from me taking it. Had I held that coin and he wanted to get the coin out of my hand, no problem. Why? He's stronger than me. Christian, I want you to understand that protection-wise, you are in Christ. And the Bible says, no man is able to pluck you out of my hand. I'm protected. I'm secure. Why? Because I'm with Christ. Positionally, I'm with Christ. I've been, I've been crucified. I've been buried. I've been risen again with him. Protection-wise, I'm in Christ. I'm with Christ. Uh, praise God, and I'm protected all throughout eternity. There's never a time when I'm vulnerable. Number three, and I've got to hurry here so I can get to the points I want to give you tonight. In verse 4, it tells us when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. Number three, it speaks of our prospect. Notice there it tells us that Christ is going to appear. But this is the best part. I'm going to appear with him. I'm going to appear with him. When I got the news this week that Peggy had passed away, I thought of the fact that she's no longer here. She's with the Lord. She's in a place that I can only read about. I can preach about. I can look forward to that day, but I'm not there. But she's the prospect we're looking forward to. She's there. Christian, you understand the prospect we have in Jesus Christ, not because of our good works, not because of religion, but because of salvation and being in Christ. We have that prospect of being with him in glory. And what a wonderful truth that is. We see, and we won't take time tonight, Romans 8.30, we looked at a couple of weeks ago. So we see our faith in Christ. Those two words, in Christ. Our faith in Christ through our union with him as we're with him. We have a new position, we, we have a new protection, and we have a new prospect. That prospect is glory. Oh, what a wonderful prospect we have in Christ. Our lives are to be different. Our standing is different. Our standing should influence our state. What we are in Christ should be seen in what we are in this world. Now, I want you to look at a couple of things with me, and we're going to see some, some words. We looked at a couple of them last week, and we're going to catch up two of them. 
And then we're going to continue on with number two here tonight. In what ways, in what ways should my life, in what ways should your life be different? What does that look like? What does a holy life, what does a life separated from the world and to Jesus Christ look like? What is the tangible of that? What does it look like? Number one, we must put off certain things. We must put off certain things. As we see uh, passage there, therefore put to death your earth. Look at verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are in the earth, fornication, uncleanness, or inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also, look at this, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing ye put off, put off the old man with his deeds. I have a pair of shoes that I wore last week. I wore them after lunch. I took a, I took a bath out in the bush. And uh, Brother Jim, I didn't find a shower facility. I had to heat water up like, a, uh, like my ancestors. I didn't have a, a big metal wash tub. Brother Atkins, I had to use a plastic pail and uh, I scrubbed down and rinsed off, and the whole time I was praying, oh, God, don't let any hunters walk by. They're going to think I'm Sasquatch as I'm taking a bath. And I got, I got <clears throat> excuse me, I got clean. I changed my clothes, and I didn't put my boots on. I put on a pair of old shoes. Now, those old shoes, they're made by, I believe they're Skechers, and they're a casual leather dress, casual shoe, and they've got memory foam. Now, they're good for people like me and Brother Mike. We forget what we're doing. We put those shoes on. The memory foam helps us remember. But I, they're memory foam shoes. I bought them many years ago. I wore them until I wore them out. I took them one day and put them in a trash can. Decided it was time to throw them away. I saw them in the trash can, and I decided to take them out of the trash can. I thought, I don't want to throw them away. I'll use those as like some work shoes. So I took them out of the trash can. I used them as work shoes. I got paint on them. I got them nasty. And again, I made the decision, I'm going to throw these shoes away. So I put them in a trash can. I can't remember how long I had them thrown away, maybe a couple hours. And I went back to the trash can. I took them out of the trash can. I said, no, these would be good shoes to go camping or whatever I could still have. I could slip them on. So I put those broken down, worn out horrible shoes. I took them out of the trash can. And the other day I put them on after I got clean and changed clothes. And I forgot to put my good boots on. That night, with those horrible shoes that I'd thrown away two times, I walked eight miles. And Brother Amato will tell you there wasn't a flat stretch in all of those eight miles. I felt every pebble Every rock, every root, my feet were killing me. And the whole way I'm walking, I thought to myself, I should have 
thrown these things away. Why did I take them out of the trash? Christian, the Bible tells us that as believers, we're to put off the old man. But here's the problem we have. We put it off, but we want to put it back on. We keep wanting to put back on the old man when we're to put it off. And we're not just to put it off for a little while. We're to put it off forever. We're to be removed from the old man, from the flesh, those vices. We're to reckon them as dead. Dead. Those things which pertain to the old life. If What does it look like to live a holy life, to honor the Lord with your life, Christian, to be the kind of Christian that we ought to be? Number one, we have to put off those old deeds of the flesh because they're dead. They're of no value. Number two, not only put off, we talked about the last point we looked at last week, or two weeks ago, look at verse 10. The Bible says, and have, notice these two words, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, there it is again, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Look at verse 14. And above all these things... Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So we don't just put off. We have to put something back on. We put off those old things, the works of the flesh. Those things we're to reckon dead, but what does it look like to live a holy life is we're to put on we're to put on some things we see here, uh, like the prodigal. The prodigal left home. He thought, man, I'm going to live it up. I'm, I'm going to do everything I ever wanted to do that my dad said I couldn't do. I'm going to go all the places my dad said I couldn't go. I, I, no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to live it up. And what happened? He found out the wages of sin is death. He found out that sin is pleasurable yet but for a season. And he ended up feeding the pigs and looking down at the pig slop and going, boy, that looks delicious. I'd eat that. If someone let, would let me have it, I'd eat it. He was the bottom of the barrel. Now, you can use your imagination, but I'm guessing if he's looking down at pig slop thinking I would eat that pig slop, I'm guessing he looked pretty rough. I'm guessing he smelled pretty rough. I'm guessing he smelled like a pig. I'm guessing his clothes were tattered and worn. I'm guessing there was holes in his clothing. His hair was disheveled, probably hadn't bathed. He came back to his father, and as he came to his father, his father fell on his neck and kissed him. And what did his dad say? He said, get a rope. Basically, he said, hey, take off those dirty clothes. Clean them up. 
get the smell of the pigsty off of him. Cut his hair and cut his beard and get him clean, get him pure, and put a clean robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. He put on some things. Christian, if we're to live a holy life, we've got to put off some things, but also we've got to let our Father put some things on us. As we see that picture, we, we have to put on uh, certain things, and we see those things. We won't go into it deeply here tonight, but we're to put on the new man. And I love that last verse in verse 14 we looked at, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity just kind of ties everything together, binds everything together, just kind of holds it all. We're to put off some things. We're to put on some things. Number three, look at verse 15 and 16. New notes here tonight as we look at the last few things here about what it looks like, what holy living looks like, the tangible of it. Verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We have to let some things in. We have to let some things in. And we see those things here in this passage. Uh, we're to let the peace of God in our heart. We've got to accept that peace. You know, so many times we live in chaos. We live in worry. We live in fret. We doubt God. We get angry with God. We question God. But God wants us to let peace in our heart. Because he wants that peace to rule. In Romans chapter 5, and I'll read for you very quickly here this evening, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, if you want to write down the reference. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can let that peace fill us, completely fill us. I don't, I don't eat much fast food. I, fast food, as I'm getting older, fast food doesn't agree with me very well. Every time I eat fast food, I regret it just about. But if I, on rare occasion, get fast food, and it is a rare occasion, and if I get a, a soda, a, a pop at a fast food restaurant, I always ask for no ice. Now, I don't do that because I don't like cold drinks. I actually love cold drinks. I like, what I, I like to be really, really, really cold, but I'm also really, really, really cheap. And I know that whatever ice they put in is going to take up the drink that I could get that I'm paying for. Uh, so I, I want to be most cost-effective. Like I said, I'm cheap. And so I always tell them, no ice. Because I, if, I, if I pay for X amount of ounces or milliliters of a, of a cup, I want, I want all that I paid for. I, I don't want to pay for a bunch of ice and, and get a, a little bit of, of drink. 
I, I want all of it. I want it to be filled. God wants us to be filled with peace. Too many times we have a few drops of peace. and We have all our anxiety, all our worry, all our care, all our concern with just a little peace. But God wants us to let his peace in us. He wants that peace in us to rule and to reign and to fill our heart, not to be distracted. We can look up Isaiah 26.3 if you want to write the reference down. Uh, we can see uh, that being filled with peace. We need that peace, that freedom from fear, that freedom from anxiety, that inner poise, that power. How? How does that come? How does that peace come? The second part of what I need to let in we see here in this verse let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. This Bible is not a talisman or some kind of magical piece of equipment. It's not, I'm going to hold this book and this is, this is some kind of magical paper and magical leather and no, it's not the, the, the paper and the ink and the, the cover that make this Bible powerful. It's the Word, the words. And God's words need to be in us. My wife made me a wonderful supper tonight. She came and she brought it to me. I was sitting in my chair and she brought me that plate of supper and set it on my lap. And there were salmon patties on there. There was homemade applesauce on there. Mixed vegetables. There was homemade mac and cheese. You, you made mac and cheese. There was, I don't even know what, there, were, there was everything on that plate. A big giant pile of food. And I had it on my lap. I didn't just hold it on my lap. Can I tell you what I did? I immediately grabbed a fork. I began getting the food off of that plate into my belly. I ate it. I put it in me. I put every bit of it in me. My dog is watching, wanting me to give him some food. When I was all said and done, I just almost licked the plate, but I let him lick the plate, but that's all he got to do. There was nothing there. By the way, we save on uh, dishwashing detergent at our house, Brother Jim. We have a dog, so the dog cleans the dishes. So it saves a lot of effort. But anyway, we, I got that food in me. I put it in me. And I didn't just walk around. I didn't say to Josh, hey, check out my plate of food. Well, Jim, see my plate of food? Next week, I still got the same plate of food. It may not have looked quite as appetizing. But, hey, you see my plate of food, Colton? I got food. Yeah. It's for eating, for getting in me, not for looking at not for holding, not for talking about it. Christian, God wants the word of God in you. It doesn't get in you by osmosis. It gets in you as you read it, as you study it, as you memorize it. And as you get the word of God in you, God fills you with that peace, with his word. We need to let it in. Let the word of Christ dwell in us. Psalm uh, 119 verse 165 we could look at tonight. We see in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Uh, Ephesians 3.16, Ephesians 3.17 we could see tonight as well. But number four. Quickly, I want to give you a couple, couple more things quickly before we close. Number four, I said we need to put off some things. We need to put on some things. We need to let in 
some things. Number four, we need to let out. Let out some things. Look at verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Look at verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. We need to let out certain things out of our life. The word do, that word do occurs four times in verse 17 and verse 23, those two verses we just read. Everything we do, the Bible tells us there, is to be done as service for the Lord. That word whatsoever, verse 23 Whatsoever you do, that word refers to everything. Refers to you coming to church tonight, refers to you going to work tomorrow, refers to you as you go home with your family this evening, as you, your relationship with your wife or your husband, your, uh, as you parent your children, as you, every aspect of your life, everything you do, whatsoever, everything is to be done unto the Lord. We're, we're to serve, we're to let out thanks. Thanks to the Lord. He deserves our thanks. He deserves our praise. We see that in many passages in the Bible as we've, we've looked at already. I want to I read just, a, just one thought here, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And I am to serve heartily. I'm not to serve with just a little bit, just a little bit of enthusiasm, but heartily as unto the Lord. I was telling Brother Jim yesterday, we were checking on him, see how he was feeling, and I told him the story about the first time I drove my dad's truck. My dad's got a, a big truck. It's got a 17.5 power stroke or something. No, it's got a, a 6.7 liter power stroke. I don't know, Jim, almost 900 horsepower, whatever it is. They're obnoxiously powerful. And I, he picked me up at the airport. He had me drive, and I'm driving back. We're driving through the city. We get to a gas station. I filled up the tank, and we're turning out of the gas station onto a two-lane highway out in the country, and as I pulled out on that two-lane highway, my dad said to me, he said, hey, he said, hit the throttle. Feel the power of this truck. I'm used to driving a minivan <laughs> with no power. I mean, I, I drive a, a Suzuki uh, XL7 with a, a little V6 about this big. And when you press the gas, it says, I'll think about it eventually. I'm not used to having a lot of power at my disposal. And I, I put the throttle to the floor and boiled rubber off the back of his tires off of that truck. What? Screaming. I'm like, Phew. My dad looked over and he said, what are you doing? I'm like, I was just, just touched the gas a little hard there. Uh, I, I gave it heartily unto the Lord, uh, unto the gas pedal. Christians, so often we want to 
just do a little bit for the Lord. God wants us to let all of our energy, all of our power, everything we are, all the way for him. Lastly, let's close with this. Look, if you will, with me at verse 24. What does it look like? The last thing that we need to do, we need to look up. Verse 24 in Colossians chapter 3. Knowing that the day that knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. We serve the Lord Christ. We're to be looking up. You know what we do so often? We look down. You ever watch people walk around in the city? Here's what you see a lot of times. If they're walking around the city like this, they're running into stuff, uh, walking across the street in front of traffic because they're looking at their phone. Just, just looking down. They get the wrong focus. Christian, we get our focus down here too often. We need to be looking up. We need to be looking for what's coming. Verse 24 tells us that ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Christian, if we are to live holy lives as we understand we are in Christ, it's going to be as we look to what is coming. Not because we're looking down here, not because we're looking at all the things around us, but because we have our eyes focused on what's coming. Look into the hills from whence cometh my help. Christian, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking for my Savior, my Lord and my God. May we be looking up and expecting what he has for us. And as we are looking up with that prospect of what is coming, will live in such a way that our life down here is fit and ready for our entrance into heaven. What a wonderful thing we're in Christ. As far as God's concerned, Christian, you're there positionally. All of this we're talking about tonight, that doesn't get you there. You're already there as a believer. It doesn't help you earn it. You're not going to earn it. We're already there. Not only am I already there in Christ, but I'm protected. I'm not going to fall out. And I have a prospect that's not going to change. I, I know where I'm going. I know what's going to happen when this life is over. I have no doubt. But along the way from now until the day that I see him, be it tonight or be it tomorrow or be it 50 years from now, along the way, I can live by putting off the old man. By putting on the new. I, I, I can live as I realize that I can let in my heart his peace. I can let in his word. I can let out my, with all my strength and all my power and all my praise to him as I serve him. And I can look up as I seek to honor him with my life. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd bless us this evening as your children Lord, because of our union with you, because of who we are, because we're in Christ, Lord, may we see that our life ought to be different.
Lord, we're to be separate from the world, not just to keep a distance from the world, but so we can be separated closer and closer and closer and closer into you. Lord, I'm reminded of Enoch of old. Lord, you say of Enoch that he was not, for you took him. Lord, I have to imagine that one day you just looked at him and said, hey, why don't you come home with me? Lord, one day we're going to come home with you, like Miss Peggy did last week. One day I'm no longer going to be in this realm of tears and sorrow. I'll be in your presence and where is fullness of joy. Lord, I pray until that day that I be looking up. God, help me to put off the old man. God, help me to stop digging it out of the garbage. May I reckon it as dead. May I put on the new man. May I put on charity to tie together those things you want in my life. Lord, I pray that I would let in your word and your peace. God, help me whatsoever I do to do it with all my might and my strength to honor you. May my praise go forth. And God, would you give us a vision and give us a focus to the future. May we look up for what's come with our help. Lord, bless us now. Lord, dismiss us with your grace this evening. God, help us to live in such a way that our belief, our things that we say we believe would affect our walk, our talk, our action, and our testimony. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.